Hey, welcome. Thanks so much for uh, being on Zoom um, with all of us. So I am really excited. In just a second, I'm going to pray for our time. This hour, I'm afraid, is going to go way too fast for us. Um, but we are, this is our Women's Equipping Night, and we are talking about friendship tonight and um i am so excited to hear from all the ladies that are gonna be sharing tonight sarah bianchi is gonna be sharing first she's gonna be equipping on friendship and sarah and i have been friends for 20 i think 25 24 25 years um but obviously sarah is such a fiery woman of god so i'm really excited to hear what she has to share about godly friendships um, and then we're going to have a panel of women after she does her um, equipping. We're going to have, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the panel now just so we can transition uh, right from that. So we're going to have Neely Gully um, and she is my sister. Um, she is, I don't know if y'all know that, but she's my sister. Um, and she is also a fiery woman of God. Uh, she is married to, uh, Stephen Gully, our worship pastor. Um, and Jeff and Sarah are family pastors, um, by the way. Um, so Neely's married to Stephen, our worship pastor. And then we've got, um, Aaron Illingworth, um, can I see you, Erin? Oh, hi. Um, yay. And Erin also is a fiery woman. Everyone's a fiery woman of God, okay? I just want to say that. Everyone on this panel is full of fire. Um, so she is married to Blair, our controller. And then we have got um, Jordan Taylor. Um, she is married to Nick, our youth pastor. We've got uh, Hannah Weathered. Hello, hello, I see you. Hi. Um, to Jason, hi. college pastors. Uh, Katie Racine, down in there in my corner. Um, hi, James. It, James and Katie are on our SOT. They are our SOT staff. And then James is also um, our volunteer pastor. So they're going to be answering questions that you guys sent in. So let me pray. I know this is such a huge topic. And I pray that we would have godly friendships in our church that we would get better and better at friendships as women over the years we are going to get better and better in jesus name at this so father we pray tonight that you would anoint um, our words i pray god that we truly would walk away from this time having a greater understanding of your heart for women friendships in the kingdom of god and what they look like and how they're to impact um, our own lives and our neighborhoods and the cities and the world and lord we just we want your uh power and grace on this time and i pray that we'd fall more in love with you and that our hearts would connect with one another in jesus name amen sarah take it away girl Amen, girl. <laughs> so happy to see you guys. It's really fun. I miss you so much in person. Um, but we can just jump right in. I'm really excited that we're sort of diving into this topic because it's so important in the church. You know, God really does have in his heart intended covenant relationships for us. And, um, you know, recently Jeff was um, watching Liv, our little daughter, walk hand in hand with a friend. And the little friend said to Liv, 
can we have more than one best friend? And Liv was like, oh, yes, we can. <laughs> and I just, Jeff was teasing and talking about it. And I was just thinking, what a beautiful thing that we get to, um, we get to connect with the heart of God and impart things to our people, our friendships and our relationships and our kids um, that portray God's heart, which is inclusive and life-giving and and beautiful and um and i just was remembering me at her age and i i remember that i had such a longing for deep amazing friendships and really it was sad because all through my growing up all that i had all that i got was surface um until i went to university and um i got to university and i heard um i remember sitting in a college service and early on and i heard my pastor um, talking about this concept of lifelong friendship through sacrificial living or believing God for marvelous comrades who feared the name of Jesus to walk alongside lifelong. And I grabbed a hold of that prayer and I started to pray that myself, Lord, let us, let me, let may I have lifelong friendships through sacrificial living and that I have, mar may I have marvelous comrades who fear the name of Jesus. And and Lord, let me love like it's never going to hurt. And when it does, let me have the courage to draw near to you and to and press into friendship. And and um, and it began this journey of me really learning about friendship. And you know, I think that as we talk about this topic tonight, really this topic, just saying the word friendship, I know in this size room, evokes so many different emotions. And um, and probably a lot of pain and probably a lot of rejection and, and, and probably a lot of like going back to like three, four, five, six, seven years old and, and maybe even current. But I just wanna say wherever you are on that continuum, there really is this innate desire, longing in the human heart that was made by God, that was destined for God for covenant friendship and it's for and with God and it's for and with each other. And, and I just want to say to you that he opens his hand and he satisfies the desire of every living thing. And so if you're, if you have your Bibles, just Proverbs 18, 24 says a man of many friends comes to a ruin, but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And, you know, I'd rather have a faithful few like-hearted souls than many friends but the true foundation that we the bedrock of our lives is that friendship with god is absolutely the most thrilling the most exhilarating the most satisfying refreshing relationship we will ever experience and we know this right we know this but we have to tap into that place because when people are faithless god's faithful when we feel alone. He's with us always, even at the end of the age. He's our mighty comforter when we're hurting. When we're joyful and have something to rejoice about, he rejoices over us with singing. And, you know, I read recently to my older boys that scripture where it talks about Abraham being called a friend of God. It was a credit to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. And unsolicited, they were like, Mom, that is so amazing. I want, I want that to be said of me. And, and you know, that wasn't, 
something that was provoked, that was because that's in us. We're made for friendship with God. And if, if that, if we always put people and our friendships with people up here and our friendship with Jesus, even if it's a half inch lower and that never gets reversed in priority, I would dare to say we might always struggle. So first and foremost, let's dive into relationship with God, friendship with God. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So as we grow in our relationships, though, Jesus really is. He's the guy to emulate, you know. And, and one thing he did so perfectly, as everything he did perfectly, is that he pursues. He pursued when he walked to this earth, and he continues to pursue today. Jeff and I... Um, have been watching the series The Chosen recently, and it, it depicts early on in the series, it depicts the life of the disciples before Jesus came on the scene. And their lives were so full and busy, and, and, and they had hardships and longstanding relationships and family things going on. But it was like Jesus walked into their world, and it was almost like his faith found a heartbeat with the ones that he called his friends. And he didn't let the reality of their full, complicated, crazy lives or their pain or their hardship stop him from pursuing them. And I just want to say it first things first tonight, as we talk about our friendship with each other, friendship is not a passive concept. It requires pursuit. It is fully intentional. And, you know, I was thinking back on specifically one friendship that I'll kind of talk about through the evening here as we're in these next 10 minutes. But one friendship that started many years ago started with a friend of mine. She was assigned to disciple me and I just loved her. And we had this sweet friendship. We had this sweet discipleship relationship and it was evolving. And I realized I want to grow in my friendship with her. And um, but it there was almost, it was almost felt like it was a little bit hard to break into her life a bit. So I just decided like, I'm going to do what she does. So I was like, Amy, do you want to run um, at five o'clock in the morning and run and pray together? I knew she was a runner and I knew she loved to pray. And, and, you know, we'd had this relationship for a while now. And um, she was like, sure. And even though it took a little bit of time and it was a little bit hard to break in. She, there was, eventually there ended up being a reciprocity. And we, in the early morning hour for, for years, we would get up and we would run in, at the earliest hour in the morning. And we would pray. We'd just call down heaven. And we would pray. And by the way, um, some of my deepest friendships have been birthed from the place of prayer. Shameless plug for um, at-home Home at Havenly with Steph, whom we have been friends for over 20 years. She talks on prayer this week, and it's really powerful. Um, but we would end up in these prayer times talking about our life and our struggles, our hopes and our dreams, and, and crafted prayers that she had. We would pray together and believe big together, and it, it bonded our hearts. And, and, you know, at times along the way, I, in my own insecurity, I didn't feel like my friendship was a of great value to her, but I continued to pursue her because I valued her. And I just wanna ask that question of us tonight, are, are we willing to pursue past the bounds of our own self? 
our own insecurity or fear or maybe even self-pity like why doesn't anyone call me why doesn't anyone initiate with me you know i think tonight as i was praying i was like you know i think god really wants some of us to lay aside some of the victim mentalities that we've lived in and go no i'm gonna begin again i'm gonna pursue again i want to have lifelong marvelous comrades um and 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 begin to trust again that that just because someone may not reciprocate back it might not be a situation like that happened with me that that doesn't mark your your value that doesn't determine your value your value is your value because god said you're valuable and god has friendships for you it's just not always easy you know um and friendship is a lot of work and speaking of work, the second thing I want to talk about is just that every healthy friendship will have probably a significant amount of healthy conflict, <laughs> which for a long time I resisted conflict in my life, but um, I welcome it now. It's a, a very important aspect of having covenant relationships. Um, and, you know, everything that we put value on is costly. Everything. Everything that has great value comes with a cost. So this friend, Amy, that I would be running with, um, we had actually several places of conflict along the way. And in fact, we had one very large challenge at one point. Um, but Proverbs 27 comes to my mind as I think about her. And it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. The mark of a true friend is that they'll be willing to confront us with loving correction. And that correction might not feel good as genuine wounds do, but it is the expression of love. And Amy felt really strongly 20 years ago about a big decision I was making, but she loved me enough to say it. And, and actually, she didn't actually say it in her action in a, in a way that was um, maybe the way I wanted to hear it. And it, and her actions and her words were maybe a little bit, maybe a lot bit painful. Um, but in the end, months later, she was actually right about the decision and I um, had to reverse that decision. <laughs> but in the end, um, we pressed through that place of pain and we addressed um, the reality of how that played itself out. And we made a, like a resolve to press into the pain and come out stronger and better friends because of it. And, and we have a 20 plus year friendship now. I just have to say that conflict is inevitable, but intimacy, intimacy produces conflict and conflict then produces intimacy if you come through it in a healthy way. Um, and, and it ends up building this foundation, these building blocks, this foundation that when challenges come, we know we're not going anywhere. We're loyal to the bone. We're here. And, you know, I will say there is a place where we have to let go of people at times. But I think the tendency is to give up too early, to wash our hands or distance ourselves, or we just kind of grew apart and there's a conflict and we never sort of got there. But my question of us is this in general, do we, do you, do we, have a like think back you know do we have a laundry list of people of unresolved relationships in our life 
we need to go there if we do. You know, I could have sat in a fence um, with Amy and missed out on the beauty of a lifelong friendship. It says in Proverbs 19, a person's wisdom yields patience and it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It's really hard, but to forgive through things is so important and so powerful. It's the basis of, um, it's, it's everything it's about. It's the gospel message, you know. We got to go there, ladies. We got to be willing, you know, to humble ourselves, to grow and change, to overlook the offense and, and to forgive. And so I just say, like, who do we need to forgive today? What offense do we need to overlook? Is there anyone you've pulled back from? And how is God calling you to repair? It says in the Bible, as far as is possible with you, be at peace with all men. And we're going to go into our panel in just a minute, but the last thing I want to talk about is one of the most beautiful things about covenant friendships is that this, this element of care. Um, bearing with one another and their burdens to fulfill, to so fulfill the law of Christ. Um, I love the story when um, Jesus' friends sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was dying. And, and when he finally got to Bethany, it was too late. Lazarus was already in the tomb. And when Jesus got there, Mary and Martha came and, 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 and Jesus, what's the first thing he did? He, I imagine that he fell to the ground. It says he wept. Jesus wept. Now, did he know everything was going to be okay? Absolutely. Did he know that he was going to raise Lazarus from the grave and he had the answer? 100%. But in that moment of pain, he took the time to weep with his friends and grieve. And, 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 you know, that element of fulfilling the law of Christ in that manner is so powerful. And a lot of times in friendship, we don't know how to bear each other's burdens and, and bring care. And, we've, and in our culture, you know, friendship was never meant to be some like snap and upload, click, make a comment, unfriend, defriend, whatever friend experience in the truest beauty of it all. It's a show up on someone's doorstep. It's a give a phone call. It's bring dinner, laugh together, play together, make a play date. You need a ride to the airport. It's not send an Uber. I mean, it's okay. If you've done that, <laughs> but you know, it's be there, be face to face. It's not, this is the pain of virtual life. It's that we're not meant for this, you know? Um, and so, I just want to say that God's goal for us is to bear one another's burdens and to, and to bring care and um, fulfill what he has for us here in the land of the living. You know, it's this concept of friendship is not our brilliant idea. It's God's idea. It's heaven's idea. It's not our promise. It's God's promise given to us. We need it. Our souls need it. And our families need it. The world needs it. We show people who Jesus is by our love for one another. And um, I guess the question I would ask in my closing here is, what's your next step as you pursue healthy biblical friendship? You know, God really is doing something. There's a prophetic thing happening. Lots of voices prophetically are speaking right now about covenant friendships. And 
I really do believe God is doing something in our culture regarding this concept. And my prayer for all people's women is that we would just wrap our arms around it and embrace it to the full and, and watch him move among us. Amen. Amen. So yeah, let's, um, we can head to the panel stuff, but um, I bless us in this time of question asking and responding to experience your presence and to grow and change so that we can have deep, lifelong, marvelous comrades who fear the name of Jesus that sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. Hi, ladies. Thank you, Sarah. That was amazing. And let me tell you, I mean, Sarah walks the talk, y'all. <laughs> she has so many deep friendships to show it. So we're thankful for you in our, in our body, Sarah. Um, hey, so I get to kick off the panel. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the question that came in that I'm going to answer. And others from the panel may jump in at the end. Um, and then we'll, we'll go from there. This is exciting, okay? So I don't know who this question is from. <laughs> um, I just know it came in. So it says, the question is, I tend to struggle with comparison in friendship. What are healthy ways to work through comparison in friendship? So as I was prepping for this question, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is firing me up. Okay. So, um, let me just, let me just, I'm kind of a bottom line type of a person, you know? So let me give you my bottom line answer and then I'm going to backtrack. All right. So here's the bottom line. Well, first of all, let me say this, whoever did ask this question, yay, you, thank you for being bold and brave to do this because this needs to be dealt with in the church, okay, in the church. So thank you for doing it. And it's important to deal with it in a discipleship culture like we are at All People's Church because we walk so closely together and fun life to compare, right? Because it's easier. We get to see so much. All right. So to directly answer the question, I would say the healthiest way to examine usually to examine yourself and your identity your identity with and before Jesus who is your maker okay so let me give you some thoughts on that so first of all if you can track with me here I used to years and years ago I used to um, train teams church planting teams that would go out on the field so the missionary field, okay, they go overseas. The number one reason, y'all, why people come off the field is because of interpersonal relationships. They can't, they can't fix their stuff. They can't fix their relationships. And that like breaks my heart because us as believers, isn't that the number? I mean, like we, we've been forgiven much, so therefore we should forgive much, right? Well, but that's the thing. That's the ploy of the devil. He loves to divide. If he can divide, divide us right those people in the country don't hear the gospel okay so bring it back to america okay so i think one of the number one ways in the american church that the enemy loves to break down relationships with women in the church is comparison it is just a terrible ploy of the devil so 
Here are my little practicals. I'm gonna give you some practical helps with dealing with comparison, okay? Number one, I, it helps me, I hate the devil. <laughs> Remember, I've said this before, my kids can only hate one person, it's the devil, okay, in our family. So I don't want him to win. So for me, I start to feel like, wow, I, I'm comparing myself with someone else or thinking, oh wait, they have that gift, but I'm really bad at that. Or wait, I want that gift. I'm just like, whoa, stop the train. Okay. So this is the enemy trying to take me down and my eyes go on me instead of on Jesus. Okay. So it helps me to know that's where my battle is. My battle isn't against this person I'm comparing myself with. It's against the enemy. Right. And so then I shift my gaze back to Jesus. Number two, I would say, um, so I love God is so good. So Father God, okay, I say go back to Father God and say, God, who have you made me to be? There are thousands of personality tests. You can take personality tests, but they're not the be all end all, okay? God, who made you, he's the be all end all. And I love how even in biology, you guys, it's, you know, the man and the woman, they come together, right? The bees and the birds, okay? Birds and bees, however that goes, right? It's the man who determines the, the sex of the child, the identity of the child. I could start crying right now, <laughs> right? And so in the same way, our Father God has determined who you're made to be, okay? So let me just... Let me just read you scripture truth, all right, to get in your gut. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts, right? This is, this is God who formed our inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. That means we all, each one of us is one of his works, right? We are marvelously made. It's amazing. And that my soul knows very well. God, would we know that we are wonderfully made? The gifts, the personalities, our weaknesses are even great, which I'm a big fan of my weaknesses. Like, hey, that's the place where you need me more. And my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Okay, so second thing is, is you go to God and say, God, who have you made me to be? And let me tell you, it's going to look different in your 20s than in your 30s than in your 40s, and I'm assuming in your 50s. I'm not quite there yet, <laughs> but... It is a constant journey for us, okay? So give yourself grace, grace to just say, God, who am I today? I'm Right now I'm 45, and who are you saying I am right now? And what am I supposed to be really leaning into? What gifts am I supposed to be leaning into? Okay, are you guys tracking? Can you nod for me? <laughs> okay, great. All right. Um, you could read the identity Journey by Kendall Laughlin. Really good, really good thing to do. Lots of scripture. Get those scriptures, post them on your mirrors. This is who I am, okay? Right in Jesus. And then two, ask your friends about your giftings. You know, like if you're like, hey, I didn't have a father, you know, as I was growing up speaking, you know, hey, this is who you are. My dad used to say to me, Neely, you are good at math. You're good at science. You should be a scientist. Well, that didn't quite work out for me, but 
I wasn't so bad at math, you know? So anyways, I felt pretty confident about math in my school years, right? Anyways, that was a random example. Okay, here's another practical. Um, repent. So when you compare, when you start to compare, repent. Say Jesus, because it breaks the heart of God when you look to someone else for, for who you should be, because he has made you so wonderful. So he's like, no, 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 you're looking in the wrong place. I, I have made you wonderful. I've given you gifts and I have designed good works for you. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So you know what? He designed works for my sister, Stephanie, that I'm not supposed to walk in. Like, I'm not supposed to be doing home at Havenly. Praise God. I don't think I can cook and do it, that thing at the same time, okay? Or like jog and, you know, do stuff at the same time, right? She's got skills, all right? But there are things that I was created to do, and praise God, because he's going to give me grace to do it, right? Okay. So we repent, Jesus, I am sorry, I am walking away from this, from this comparison. Okay, number five. So here's the, here's the thing that I think is important. So I do believe at times that we need to confess to someone else that we are comparing. But <laughs> I don't always think you need to go to the person and repent to the person that you're comparing yourself against. Does that make sense? So I think sometimes that just muddies the waters and it makes people feel awkward. Sometimes they'll feel judged and it's like, oh, this feels awkward. But in James 5, it says, confess your sins to one another, lay hands on one another and pray for them and you'll be healed. And so there is power. Like if you're like, hey, I'm comparing myself to this person, but I don't think I'm supposed to go to them. So then go to a pastor or go to someone who's discipling you, a life group leader, and just say, hey, would you just pray for me? You know, I don't want to walk in this. This isn't, this isn't from God. Okay, but there are times, I think, that um, you do need to go to somebody else who you've compared yourself to, and that's mainly when you've sinned against them. Like, you've probably hurt their feelings or affected them negatively. Um when you've compared yourself, right? Like maybe you lashed out and said like a negative comment to them and they, you know, they heard it or whatever. So that's when I think we need to go and say, hey, that was wrong. That was my own, that was my own junk. I am so sorry. I hurt your feelings. Okay. Are you tracking with me? Can you tell this whole virtual silence thing? I'm like, I need like verbal feedback. <laughs> Yay. Okay. So um, okay, and then I've already talked about just give yourself grace for where you are in your life. Your 20s are such a time where you're just figuring out who am I? What am I good at? You know, like all this stuff. Your 30s, you're getting, you're getting a better, you know, you're like, hey, I, I think I get like who I am, but you're still practicing and learning. Your 40s, you feel more confident. You feel like you're more of an expert, but you know what? In any decade, we are constantly depending on God to define and tell us who we are, okay? So I'm going to end real quick. Sorry, that was probably long, but we're going to end real quick. The prayer that I pray over my three girls, because I have three girls. I don't want competition or comparison in my home. I want them to all be themselves, right? 
So I'm going to pray this over us. Okay, so Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us not compare or compete, but may we women at All People's Church be each other's biggest cheerleaders, because when we are unified, we are a powerful, powerful force for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Neely. Man, I got to follow Neely. <laughs> it's, rough. it's a rough thing to have to do, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to be quick. Okay, so I have two questions that I'm going to answer. My first one is, I think it's a big one. Um, so I'm going to be, I'm just going to try to make it short, but I'm happy to talk to anybody for about it for longer. So it's big. Um, and so the question that was, that came in says, I have felt excluded and left out at times by different friend groups. How do I navigate rejection in friendships? And that is so hard. And I want to say to whoever sent this in and to probably the entire Zoom right now, you are not alone. All women feel this at different times in our lives, struggle with it different ways. As Sarah said, from probably the little years, I have memories from the little years that God's had to heal to, you know, two weeks ago. So it's, it's a big thing. Um, so these are kind of what, these are just a quick tools that I do when I'm feeling this rejection, left out, isolation. Um, first, you got to seek God. Um, just like Sarah said, we need our friendship with the Lord to be number one. That is going to be the thing that heals our heart and that helps us know that we, we are good friends. And so I seek God and I I can get in a cycle of self-pity, so I cut that off, and I say, no, I am not going to pity myself. Lord, you are my best friend. Tell me why I'm a good friend, and I have the Lord speak to me about being a good friend so that I, I, can, feel, I can feel ready to go out and pursue, and so I ask him that, and then I ask him, okay, Lord, who, who do you have for me in this season? If I'm feeling left out of this friend group, is it because they're not supposed to be who you have for me right now, maybe they have something else going on, or you just have something else that's better for me that I'm just not opening my eyes to. And so I ask him that, and maybe he is saying, no, these are your people, keep pursuing. And then you obey and you keep pursuing. But if not, then you ask him, okay, so then who do I pursue? And then you just do it. And I usually write at that time, especially if I'm in a place where I felt rejected and I'm seeking the Lord in it, I've asked him why I'm a good friend and he gives me people, then I immediately reach out to them. I pick up my phone and I text them. How can I pray for you? Can we get together in the next couple of weeks? And it reminds me that I, while I may not have 100 best friends, that's actually not what I'm supposed to have. It's really hard to have a 100 intimate relationships, but I do have these really four, these four wonderful women who love me and are in it with me. And it helps me it helps me heal that, that feeling of being left out or that feeling of rejection. Um, so those are the tools that I have when I'm feeling those things. If there's other stuff where you're feeling like you're being intentionally hurt by a person, talk to wh whoever is discipling you or your life group leader, and they'll walk you with, with you within it. But I think a lot of it is sometimes we get in our own heads and our own insecurities and are not seeking, seeking God and asking who, who our friends should be. So that's my first question, and there's so much more, but that's the little one. Hi, my daughter's joining us. She's a very good friend. Um, so then the next question that I have is, 
what are ways to connect with women and build friendships outside of life group and church events? And I think this is really good. It's hard right now. So I'm going to talk to this when it's not COVID time, but maybe I'll, I'll talk a little bit. Um, but I think we meet people at life group. We meet them at church events. We get to know them a little bit at church events. Um, but really that intimacy that we're all seeking is going to be made outside of those times. And so that's when you pursue and you invite, invite, invite. It might, you might have to invite a lot of people before you finally get to those ones that you're gonna connect with regularly outside of life group, outside of church. Um, but there's so many things you can do. You can go on. I love to do things that are active because I think that makes it easier versus like the first kind of first date feel. So I go for walks or you know, maybe you ask a couple of friends to a new breakfast spot. I, um, I've made good friends by lifting weights, sharing a hobby with somebody, um, or, you know, depending on your life season, play dates that involve your kids, that can be really wonderful too. I'm talking right now. So, sorry. Um, so that's, that's what you can do when it's not COVID, but you've got to be, you've got to be bold to pursue. Um, and right now it looks like text messages to ask how you can pray. You reach out to those in your life group. Um, I like to send funny memes to my friends, just things like that to let people that know that you are thinking about them so that in a few months when we can go on walks together, they know that you were thinking of them in this time and you're ready to, to connect and have deeper relationships. So those are my two. Thanks guys. Hannah, are you next? Oops, sorry everyone. I was like, oh, it's not my turn. I'm question four, but you did one, two, three, four. Yeah. Okay. Hi. All right. Here's my question. Um, how should I respond to gossip? What does being a woman of honor practically look like as it relates to navigating gossiping? Um, so, oh, I got the gossip one. <laughs> Let's hope Stephanie asked me because I don't gossip, not because I do. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna read two scriptures. First, I'm gonna read Ephesians 4, 29. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion and that it may give grace to those who hear. And so before we get into how do we respond to gossip? I mean, I would say gossip involves anything from that scripture that doesn't build up, that doesn't fit the occasion and that doesn't give grace. And so I think gossip is a lot broader than just like, oh, did you hear that? I don't know, what's a classic gossip thing? Did you see what she was doing the other day? <laughs> I'm not good at fake gossiping, sorry. Um, so yeah, it's easy um, perhaps to fall into the trap of talking about things that don't build up, but 
don't fit the occasion and don't give grace. But um, as Christians, we really have to guard ourselves from that. And I was going to give like two responses because I think it depends on who you're talking to. So the question is, how should I respond to gossip? What does it look like as I'm trying to navigate that? And I would say if it's a new friend or an unbeliever, then you're going to handle it differently than maybe a friend that you have more trust with and or that you know they're walking with Jesus. And so um, my advice, if it's a newer friend or an unbeliever, and I definitely have a couple people like this in my life, just people that you run into at school or in your neighborhood that maybe you're not, um, you know, they, they're more, they're struggling with these issues. Um, I listen, um, but I don't feed it. So you kind of shut it down by not going, yeah, really? Mm." You know, I mean, if you're um, just listening, you can, you listen and you and you're gracious to their pain because I I really believe that anytime somebody gossips it's all about their problem and not the problem they're talking about. I really think that if we if we're prone to that or if you either you like to talk about people or or you like to hear about people that I think we have to be honest that it's a void in us that is desiring that. And so I am gracious to people if they want to gossip to me or if they're trying to vent to me about people because I know they're hurting. Um, And if they're a new friend or unbeliever, then I listen. And then I try and minister to them in response rather than I don't even talk about necessarily the person they were complaining about or the thing they were gossiping about but I just say I'm sorry and tell me what I can do for you or can I pray for you or you know I know it's really hard that you feel hurt and so I try and come from that approach but if it's someone I'm close to or somebody that you know like in the church and they're trying to walk with Jesus or you know for sure like this they're a disciple of Jesus then I'm going to call them to something higher in that moment. And you're going to navigate that with your own grace and your own personality. Some of you are really confrontational. Some of you are not confrontational people, but in your way and in love, you're just going to call them and say, Hey, I, I hear you. Like, I know what you're saying. And again, you're gracious because they're sharing something from a place of pain. Probably they're hurt or they feel hurt or, or because they're hurting, they want to talk about um, somebody else's problems. And, but I call them to be filled with Jesus and say, like, and so you, you're going to have to navigate it in that moment. Who is this person? What's their place of pain? Why are they talking about this person? As you're listening, I'm asking the Lord, like, okay, what, what's going on here? Like they're talking about this, but what's really the problem? Like what is really the source? And, and I just want to finish with this scripture, Proverbs 18, eight. Um, 
It says the words of a gossip are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. And I was thinking about it and it's like, it's when, when this is an issue in your life or when you're faced with this, they're doing it because it's, it's delicious to them and it goes down to the inner parts of the body. And the only solution to that is to be satisfied in Jesus. Like we can't be satisfied at someone else's downfall or satisfied with feeling like we know secrets or we heard something no one else has heard, or I have wisdom and insight on something no one else does. You know, that is a way to fill your life. And it says, yeah, the words of a, a gossip or a whisper are like delicious morsels and they go down to the inner parts of the body. But I know in my life, um, I want my satisfaction to be in Jesus, you know, not in, not in a secret, not in listening to something or getting a kick from someone else's story, but in Jesus. And so I would challenge you if you know you're prone to want to know what's going on in people's life or if you're prone to wanting to share other people's information or just saying things you know are borderline about others, just to ask the Lord, okay, Lord, fill me. You know, like fill me in this place and and when you're talk if you the question was how do I stay an honorable woman um in the face of gossip it's like okay let's have that conversation with your friend and say let's come to Jesus right now like let's let's pray let's let's conquer this together and let's find a new satisfaction not not in this situation but in God so that's my advice on gossiping. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Number five is next. Bye. Hi, guys. I am number five. Can you hear me? Perfect. Um, my question is, how can I be a safe place and support to a friend who is walking through significant grief that I've never personally experienced? And um, at youth group this week, we actually talked about grief and loss. And I think that this question is so pertinent because everybody in this season is in some season of grief, which is such a big topic. So even learning how to be a friend in this season, I think is so um, important. And just on my own journey, I lost my dad very unexpectedly a year ago. So um, for this question, I was going to share a little bit with you guys just about um, what I've noticed from my grief journey, um, and then the friends that have really come alongside me really well. So um, one of the two things that really has stand out, stood out to me even in this season, um, that meeting somebody in their grief um, and what that looks like to do well, especially when you have an experience like the same type of grief is a somebody that's in grief wants to be seen like seen in a powerful way um, exactly where they are like that somebody's seen where they're at what they've experienced what they're feeling um, and ultimately that they meet them in that place that they don't um, push them out of that place or try to convince them of something else, but um, a friend that meets them in that grief and then a friend that truly sees them um, at like a soul level of 
this is what I really feel like you're experiencing. And I want to experience that with you. And, um, it's so funny, but, uh, the passage I've really dug through in this is the same one that Sarah brought up, um, about Jesus and Lazarus. And I think so often as friends, we, um, can come into situations trying to like fix it because we might be uncomfortable or try to um, make something feel better. And I feel like Jesus so could have done that in that moment with Lazarus and Mary and Martha. Like he could have come in and been like, I know you guys are all so sad, but don't worry. Like I'm going to raise him from the dead. We can just like skip over all of the mourning. But he did like the exact <laughs> opposite. And it's so funny. I think um, the words that they use is that Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And right after that, he wept. And I think when you think about um, somebody experiencing grief with you, like what better of a friend to meet you in a place that then all of a sudden meets you and is deeply moved in spirit and troubled and weeps with you. And I think that that is like the most powerful way that you can meet somebody in their grief in like a healing being the hands and feet of Jesus in that scenario. Um, and I think two big points that I've even learned is a, that grief, um, doesn't have an expiration date. Like sometimes it could be two days and sometimes it could be five years. And sometimes it feels like you will forever have <laughs> this season of grief play out in some way. Um, so even when you're encouraging a friend that even if time has passed, I still have friends that text me on certain holidays or certain things and um, just meet me in that day and meet me in that space. And that is like so powerful to just know that for a lot of things, there isn't an expiration date for that person that's experiencing that grief. Um, and I think the second thing is that grief can look so many different emotions. It could look like anger one day. It could look like sadness. It could look like joyfulness of that person that they may have lost. And meeting them in that place doesn't always look like weeping like Jesus did. And um, I had one friend um, that showed up on my door, just like Sarah was saying one day, um, and brought a card. And in that moment, I was grieving a like very sadness. So like we sat on my porch and weeped and she like met me in that place. Um, and then I had another day that I was feeling like so thankful and grieving in a very happy emotion. <laughs> um, and I had a friend show up and we just went on a walk and like didn't talk about anything. And it was so healing. So I just say when you are being prayerful, mindful of your friends um, or your loved ones that are going through grief is that to truly be um, intentional in who comes to mind and prayerful of even with the spirit to be like how you show up to Lazarus and Mary and Martha like this so who needs me to show up for them in their grief in this season especially um, in any season of grief that they experience um, and then the questions I always ask myself is just like the beginning of how can I meet them exactly where they're at? I know that my tendency sometimes is to like, how do I drag them out of this so that they could be like happy again? Um, and I think that healing is so powerful to just sit in that place with people. Um, and how can I truly just see them for who they are in this moment um, and partner with them in that? So I think there's a lot of different angles <laughs> to this topic, um, but those are some of the helpful things that I've really seen just in friendship, even in this season of um, 
my life and walking with people through their own grief. So, yep, that's all I got. Thanks, Jordan. Okay, I am Katie Racine. So good to see all your faces. And I'm going to be answering uh, two questions that kind of go together. So the first one is how can we um, encourage, celebrate, and call out greatness in our friends? And then the second question is how do we confront and challenge our friends to look more like Jesus? Um, so a couple thoughts on this. Um, I too, like Sarah was saying over this time, have watched the Chosen series. And um, I've just have been so struck uh, watching Jesus on this show and just seeing how he perfectly embodies both truth and love. And um, Jesus is our model for what it looks like to be a friend. And so I think as women, you know, we are always wanting, we're all on that journey of growing and becoming women that are loving and are truthful. Um, and it's a process. And the great thing is, is that we're all kind of in this journey together um, and learning how to do this. And so the first thing um, that I wanted just to say is that I think we need both in friendship. And I think um, if you just take a minute to think about yourself, I think, you know, we all fall someplace on that spectrum of I think some of us are naturally really great at encouraging people, um, at championing people. Um, we feel really comfortable doing that, but maybe we feel less comfortable um, initiating harder conversations or um, just asking our friends difficult questions that they need to be asked. And then I think some of us are on the other spectrum where we feel really comfortable confronting people and love and asking our friends the hard questions. Um, and we're really good at that. And maybe we're not as great at naturally knowing how to encourage our friends. And so, um, but I think the point is, is that Jesus wants us to be women and friends that can do both really well. Um, and so I think like some of the women on the panel have said, I think for me personally, you know, in every season of life, friendship looks different. And for me in some seasons, um, but my point is, I think in every season, we really need to pray and ask God, hey, who are the women that I'm called to walk alongside of in this season? Because I'm not going to be able to encourage and challenge every single perfect person perfectly in my life. So really asking God in every season, hey, who are the women that I'm intentionally um, going to be a friend to that seeks to encourage and challenge them? And then secondly, who are the women that I am going to give permission in my life to both encourage me and I'm going to ask them and want to receive their challenge in my life and their feedback. And I think that um, that's something that I've learned in my life. We have to give our friends in our life the permission to do that. That doesn't just happen, I think. I think we we ideally would hope that people would, you know, be able to speak the truth in love or that people would just know when we need encouragement. But I think that 
for us to be healthy, we have to be willing to be vulnerable and say, hey, I'm having a low day. I need some encouragement. Could you encourage me? And secondly, um, hey, you have permission to speak into my life. If you see something that's off or you see something that isn't looking like Jesus, you have full permission to speak into my life and I will, and I will listen and take that back to Jesus. Um, and so again, I think my question for you would just be, hey, in this season right now, who are the women that God, maybe it's one or two or three, for me, it's just a couple, but who are the women that God's like, hey, these are safe women for you that you can walk alongside of that are going to encourage you and challenge you. And you're being honest with what you need in that friendship and you're giving them permission to speak into your life. Um, and secondly, I would say that say for me in my own journey is as I've allowed myself to first um, receive from Jesus, his encouragement and his correction that is what's enabled me to be a friend that can encourage and challenge others and receive encouragement and challenge from others. And so I think, again, another practical just in your FaceTime every day with Jesus is just saying, Jesus, like, what do you love about me? Um, asking Jesus what he loves most about you. And secondly, Jesus, search my heart. What correction do you have for me? And I think that as we learn how to receive um, that from Jesus and we learn the tone that Jesus speaks to us in and the way that he celebrates us, that's how I've learned to be that for other people is because I've received that first from Jesus. And so make that part of your daily quiet time of really learning to receive both of those um, things from Jesus. And then lastly, sorry, I just lost my notes. Um, we must give permission. Um, and then lastly, you know, I think I just really want to challenge us, but I think we all can have a tendency to want to hide in friendship, uh, maybe because of previous pain that we've had, um, or we're scared of rejection. Um, and I just love that in the, in the um, Garden of Eden, you know, that Adam and Eve were hiding and, and God came looking for them and was calling them out of their shame and their sin. And I think the friendships that I treasure most in my life are, um, are people that call me out of walking in darkness or call me out in those moments when I'm hiding and call me to live out in the light. Um, and so I think that, you know, we, we just want to be women that are really praying and saying, Hey, you know, if you can't think of friends right now, currently in your life that you're like, wow, I feel like we're mutually encouraging and challenging each other to really start praying for that and really asking God um, to bring those friends into your life and to open your eyes to show you who are those women in your midst that maybe you've overlooked or you aren't seeing right, that God's like, hey, they have the capacity to be that for you um, in this season um, and then to initiate those things. Um, and then lastly, something that a counselor told me so many years ago that's been so helpful, but um, when it comes to speaking the truth or correcting one another, this counselor gave me this nugget of truth where she said, Katie, you have to connect with someone before you correct them. And basically what she was saying was she was saying, you really need to evaluate how connected you are to that person, what your level of trust what the trust is that you have in that relationship and to the degree that you have connection and trust 
is really to the degree that you're able to, you know, challenge and speak into someone's life. And so I think that's just such a good reminder for all of us is like, hey, we want to make sure that we're connected in friendship, um, that we're, you know, that we have a high level of trust to the degree that we're wanting to speak in and challenge. And I think when we give feedback, um, my husband has taught me so much about saying, Hey, I have some feedback for you. Is now a good time to have that conversation? Are you open to hearing some feedback? And just to ask our friends that question to not assume that just because we're ready to give someone feedback that they're ready to receive it, but to really, um, ask someone that question. And I think that helps build safety in a relationship. Um, and just to close with a verse, but this is from Ephesians 4.2 from the Passion Translation. And it says, with tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another. And, you know, I think that that is such a picture of who we want to be as women, that when we are confronting and challenging each other, we want to be humble in how we approach one another. And we want to demonstrate gentleness in our tone and what we're saying. And then we also want to be women that are generous in love, generous in how we encourage and champion and call out our friends and how the the great things that we see in them um and so i know this is short and some of you might have more follow-up questions so feel free to text me or email me i'd love to talk more about this but i really am praying that our church would be marked by women that champion encourage each other well and really know how to how to challenge and help each other look more like jesus in the places that we need to be strengthened so Thanks, ladies. Well, that was awesome. You guys, thanks so much. Everyone was incredible. So thanks for sharing your heart on friendship and giving us incredible. Uh, well, thank you to all your you question askers. They were great questions, like really good questions. I mean, honestly, so many of these topics are so huge in friendship. I think I just think about grief comparison jealousy i mean all, all these things are things that we're just we've got to face right and um so thanks so much for answering i i want to speak just to everyone for a second and say that if you've had if you've had the thought um in this church i don't feel like i have any friends like where are my friends um i i just want to i I want to say that God has friends for you here in this body and please don't give up. And, um, I love one time we were having a, a board meeting years ago and one of our, it was a different topic, but one of the board members said, I feel like the Lord says the miracle is in the house. And I, I want to speak that to the area of friendship tonight. I think the miracles in the house, the friends are in the house. Um, and, of course you of course have friends outside the house but i i just i want to say there's also friends for you in the house um and um you know if, if you keep beating on some door they're like why can't i get into that group i just want to say it's time to look elsewhere <laughs> in the house <laughs> and um let the lord open your eyes to see the other people that are around